There was a man who was being chased by a hungry, roaring lion. And the lion was vicious. The lion was big. And he was running after this man. And this man is running for his life. And he's, he's pleading with God. Oh God, he's praying. Oh God, make the lion a Christian. Would you please make this lion a Christian? And he's running for his life. And, and, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the chase, the lion stops. And gets on his knees. And starts moving its mouth and it looks like to the man that the lion is praying and he's assuming he's praying because there's no words coming out and so he feels a little more comfortable to come up to the lion. So he goes up, he wants to join his new Christian brother in prayer so he comes up and and he kneels down next to the lion and he begins to hear what the lion's praying and the lion prays this, he says, Oh Lord God, the provider of all food, I thank you for this food for which I am exceedingly grateful. Amen. Prayer. Prayer. The lion was praying. And we know what's interesting about that story is that when the man prayed that the lion would become a Christian, he began, the lion began to pray. And, I, and that's what I want to talk about this morning is that there should be a connection in the life of a Christian with prayer. When we think of prayer, it should not be something that is foreign to us. And this is how we are concluding the book of Ephesians is with an admonition to pray, to stand in prayer. And, and this is what I would say is that we are being chased from time to time by a lion, the roaring lion. He, Satan is like a roaring lion and he is seeking to devour us and we are in a spiritual battle. So not only is this the concluding message to the whole book of Ephesians, but this is the concluding message to our series on the armor of God. So we are in a spiritual battle and we need to be armed with prayer. But prayer is a part of the entire book of Ephesians. One of the most powerful prayers that have ever been prayed in all of the New Testament is found in Ephesians chapter 3. And, and the Apostle Paul, as he has gone through chapter 1 and chapter 2 and, and almost all of chapter 3, he has la- he laid out for us as we studied it the wonderful blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Do you remember back several months ago when we, we did the series called In Christ and we looked at the spiritual blessings that we have as believers? That we are adopted into the family of God. That we are made brand new. That we are given an inheritance. That we are forgiven. That our past is cleansed and we are made brand new and now we have an eternal inheritance in heaven forever. And so we went over and over in those weeks in that first series, on the blessings, the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. And as the Apostle Paul got to the end of chapter 3, he had to break out. He broke out in a prayer of thanksgiving. And let's read that prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, that is so good. You know, you need some reasons to pray, right? And Paul had a reason to give thanks. And he told us all of those reasons in chapter 1, chapter 2. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, it says in Ephesians 2. But now, but, but, but because of God, because of Christ, we're made brand new. And he said, for this reason, for all of these reasons, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Son in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend 
with all the saints. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I love this. Verse 20. Now to him. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. Amen? Amen. And that is the powerful prayer that the Apostle Paul prays as he's concluding the first section of Ephesians. That we are glorying in and we're thanking God for the work of redemption, the work of the cross, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And that, that, so, so, so we see the beginning of Ephesians is about prayer. And now this reality of who we are in Christ is what the Apostle Paul says that we are in a battle over. That the enemy wants to, in our lives as believers, to push us off of our stance and of our confession, as you read this morning in Hebrews 4. He wants to, he wants to get us off of our foundation of Christ in our life. And so this is what he is, this is what we've looked at week after week. What are the, the pieces of armor? What are the spiritual truths that we need to know that will help us to stand in the reality of who we are in Christ? And this last piece of armor that we're going to look at is, from my opinion, the most important piece of armor to help us stand in the spiritual reality of who we are in Christ. And so let's look at this last section, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to step back and read verse 14 through the end of the book, verse 24, and then we're going to unpack prayer, the last piece of spiritual armor. Ephesians 6, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want you to notice here, there's not a period right here. There's a comma. So that means there's a continuation. And so he's continuing his admonition about the armor of God. So here's the next piece of armor. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. For which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. Ty Chicas, we'll call him Ty for short. I know I didn't pronounce that correct. Uh, The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose. That you may know how we are. and And that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Amen. That's God's word. So what we're going to look at this morning is really three elements of this this issue of prayer in in spiritual warfare. Three, Three things, three thoughts that I want us to consider this morning as we look at spiritual warfare, the armor of God, and this reality, this this need, this power in prayer. And the first part is found in the first half of verse 18 that we just read. Let's look at it again. Ephesians 6, 18. 
It says, comma, right there, after the sword of the Spirit, now praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. At all times, all prayer and supplication. The title for this message is All Prayer, All the Time. All Prayer, All the Time. So the first thought from this first section of verse 18 is this, is that prayer is our continual declaration of dependence on God. This is what it says here in this text, that we pray at all times. And so prayer is our continual declaration of dependence on God. And so the opposite of that would be prayerlessness. And so I would say that, and I've said this before, that prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. If prayer is our continual declaration of dependence on God, then prayerlessness, when we do not pray... When we do not depend on prayer, then we are declaring to God. We're saying, God, I don't need you. I'm okay. I don't need to go to you in prayer about that. Have you ever thought that? You ever been tempted to think that? Sounds crazy to even think about it and say it. Maybe in, a, in some low moments in our life. But we, 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 when we think about that, this idea that, that, that us being prayerless declares to God that we don't need him, it should, help, it should cause us to shudder. Like, oh God, help me to never get to the place where I would, by my actions, declare to you that I don't need you. And But here's the challenge, is that prayer is challenging. Prayer is hard. Prayer is something that the enemy does not want us to engage in. Because he knows, that he knows the power of prayer. He knows the power of praying believers in Jesus Christ who come before their Father in prayer. He knows what can take place, and so he will do whatever he can to keep us from praying. And prayer, I don't know about you, it's this, this, this way in my life. It's something that, that I feel like I'm, I'm doing well in, and then, and then I take a backtrack, and I get distracted, and I'm doing well in it, and I, I, I backtrack. Are you, are you with me? Do you, do you feel the resistance at times from the enemy to pray? We all feel that. The Apostle Paul tells us that, that if we are going to stand in the spiritual battle, this last piece of armor of prayer, that we must pray at all times with all prayer and supplication. All times. And he's saying what he's already said, 1 Thessalonians, or what he's going to say later. He's going to say it again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says this, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's the will of God? That we would pray always, at all times, without ceasing. That we would pray in every circumstance. Prayer should be continual in our life. Always. It is our continual declaration of dependence on Christ. We pray at all times. And the key to understanding this, because some of you would think, well, well, I can't pray without ceasing. That means I've, I've got to, when I go to work, I've got to tell the boss, I'm here to work for you, but I want you to know that, that at any given moment, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to stop working, and stop being productive, and I'm going to pray. Is that what that means? I would say, no, right, you're going to get fired if you do that. And don't come tell them, don't go tell them that your pastor told you that you had to pray without ceasing, and then you get fired, and, and then, you know, it's, that's not how it works, right? We know that's not how it works, especially like what what if your spouse is coming to talk to you like your wife and she's talking to you and husband, you're like, wait, wait, I got to pray without ceasing. <laughs> let, me, let me go to my prayer closet real quick because you don't want to hear what she has to say. The, w- wives, don't come complaining to me if your husband does that. I am not condoning that. What does he mean here? 
I think the key to understand what it means to pray at all times and to pray without ceasing and to pray in all circumstances is the next part of that verse 18. It said that we should pray at all times with all prayers and supplications. And the NIV translates it well. It says there with all kinds of prayers and requests. So how do we pray at all times? We pray at all times by praying all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. So here's what it looks like. I just kind of wrote down what that could look like for us. When we are fearful about a situation, we do what? We stop and we pray for peace. Ever been fearful? When you're fearful, you stop. You say, Lord, we know that, 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 that a spirit of fear is not from you, that you've given us through Christ a, a spirit of peace and a sound mind. And so I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray when I'm fearful. When we are discouraged about something, what do we do? We stop. We pray for strength. You ever been discouraged? I've been discouraged. And sometimes when we're discouraged, we don't want to stop. We want to try to fix the situation that we faced to try to make it better so that we'll be filled with strength. But no, when we're discouraged, we need to stop. Pray at all times. When we're fearful, when we're discouraged, we stop and we pray for strength. When we're sick, with any kind of sickness, what do we do? We stop and we pray for healing. What about whenever you hear somebody that is sick? You hear about it. What do you what do you do? You should, we should stop. We pray at all times. We stop and we pray for healing. When we experience God's hand of provision, what do we do? We stop and we say what? Thank you, God. Thank you. When you get, when you get that bonus check, whenever you get your tax return, you realize that you actually have a return and the, and the government's not taking money from you. you. You stop and you say, God, thank you for your provision in my life. When God provides unexpectedly for us or, or even, even when you're on your job and you realize you have that moment where you realize, God, this job may not be the job that I want. This job may not be the perfect job for me, but I'm going to stop right now and thank you that I have a job, that I can have money that you've entrusted to me to provide for myself and my family. We stop at all times and give thanks. When we experience God's hand of protection, we stop and give thanks. I was thinking about that. How many times have we been spared from harm and we don't even realize it? I've talked about this before, but I turned left on Martin Luther King on Friday and the day before that and probably the day before that. Turning left on Martin Luther King is a dangerous endeavor. And so I should, we should probably stop more often and say, Lord, thank you that you have protected me and I didn't even realize it. Somebody was telling me, uh, somebody must have been praying because a church member was praying because God protected them from me at Lowe's. Somebody came up to me and said, I saw you at Lowe's. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah, you were driving and you almost hit me. <laughs> and I said, what? I, I, I didn't see you. I, I, when? Where? He said, well, when you were turning, you must have been in a hurry. And when you were turning left to come, you know, you turn left, you come off of Martin Luther King. If you're coming from tunnel, you turn right into the entrance and you turn left in front of the store. So I was turning left in front of the store and I almost hit him. I didn't, I didn't, that was Mr. Gene Roderick. I had to apologize to Mr. Gene. I wasn't trying to hit you. I didn't even see you. I wasn't trying to hit anybody, right? So he needs to thank God that he was protected from me, from hitting his vehicle. A more serious note, when we are tempted to sin, what should we do? We should stop in that moment. 
We should stop when the temptation is there. We should stop and pray for strength to resist. We stop. We pray at all times. When we disobey the Lord, we should do what? We should stop and pray a prayer of confession. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying about praying at all times, that we are in a spiritual battle and we must live a life of continual declaration of dependence on God that in every circumstance, in everything that we face, we stop in in times of discouragement, in times of fear, in times of temptation, in any situation we face, may we be people that stop. And acknowledge that God is our source of strength. That we should stop and acknowledge that God is our source of provision. And we should stop and acknowledge that he is our source of strength to resist the attacks of the enemy. It's a lifestyle of prayer. Continual prayer and acknowledgement of God. So all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests. But there's another type of prayer that I want to mention here this morning that I think that all of us have prayed this type of prayer. And sometimes it's a prayer that you, you can't even say anything. You ever felt that? It's just a groan. It's a deep groan in your heart and you have no words for it. You ever felt that? You got, I don't even know what to say. I don't, I don't know what to say. I want you to know that God hears the groans. God hears the despair in your heart. And that groan, that deep sense of God, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to change. I don't know why this happened. And you have these questions. You have these doubts. You're overwhelmed. God hears the groans. And we know that because Romans 8 tells us that. It tells us that the Holy Spirit prays for us. He intercedes for us. Romans 8 tells that. He intercedes for us with groanings that can't be uttered. He intercedes for us before the Father on behalf of us. When we are groaning, the Spirit is groaning for us. That is so good. When we are groaning, the Spirit is groaning in petition for us before the Father. All kinds of prayers. Psalms 143.8 says this, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift my soul. All that is me, me, all that is in me, my soul, to you, Lord, I lift it. I lift it up. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. In the spiritual battle, if we desire to stand our ground on who we are in Christ and on what he has done on our behalf, if we're going to live victorious Christian lives, We must be constant in prayer. We must pray at all times. We must have and live in a posture of prayer. We must live a life of continual dependence on the Lord in prayer. You know, there's a famous missionary. His name was Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary to China. And his son, Howard Taylor, said this of his dad, Hudson Taylor. He said this, For 40 years, the sun never rose on China that God didn't find Hudson on his knees. The sun never rose in China. For 40 years, the sun never rose on China, that God didn't find him on his knees. Here's what I would say. May we, may you and I, too, have that same kind of commitment, a commitment to pray about everything and in all circumstances. Amen?
And that's the first thought that we see in Ephesians 6, this concluding section here, is that our prayer must, our prayer is a continual declaration. Prayer is a continual declaration of dependence on God. Let's go to the next section to see the next thing that we need to consider here, the next principle we must look at. Ephesians 6, 18, the second half of verse 18, it says, to that end, so he says, here's what it looks like. Here's, here's, what, here's what you have to do if you're going to be faithful in prayer. If you're going to pray at all times and, have all, and pray in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of circumstances, to that end, you must keep alert with all perseverance. If we will be faithful in prayer, if we will be continuing prayer and trust God in all circumstances, we have to keep alert with all perseverance. And so this is our second thought, our second point here is that we must stay alert and not lose heart. We must stay alert and not lose heart. One of the keys to being successful in the battle is what? Staying alert. Can you imagine going to the battlefield? Can you imagine the way they used to fight in battles many, many centuries ago whenever it was, you know, you know, lines of soldiers facing each other? And can you imagine if iPhones were around back then? Right? Somebody's got their iPhone out and they're, give me a second, you know, dodging like this, right? I mean, casualty of war, right? Distraction. That's one of the keys of success in battle, physical battle, but in spiritual battle is that you got to put the iPhone down. You got to put the, the distractions down. You have to stay alert. And what are we staying alert to? We're staying alert to our enemy, We're not ignorant of his schemes. Listen, we may get distracted, not stay alert, but the devil doesn't get distracted. He's always alert. He's always looking for that weakness in your life and in my life. He's always looking for that opportune moment to come in and to to, to sow the seeds of his lies into our minds to get us to believe what is not true about who God is about who we are in Christ, about what matters most. He's always alert. He's always ready. He's, he's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking. He's seeking. He's actively pursuing. And so, so, so look, if you and I are going to persevere in prayer, if we're going to pray and depend on God in all circumstances, we must stay alert. This is why prayer is so important in spiritual warfare. So we have to stay alert if we're going to pray. Hebrews 15, excuse me, 5, 13 through 14 says this. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. These are ones that are alert. They're mature. For those who have, listen to this, their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. That's spiritual Warfare in a nutshell right there. How do you win this battle in spiritual warfare? Discerning between good and evil. Listen, family of God, that is what it's all about right there. That's it. This is what spiritual warfare is about. The enemy wants us to not see what is good and true and noble and righteous and not love that, but he wants us to be attracted to and pursue what is evil. This is where the battle in spiritual warfare is at, right here. And as we mature in our faith, this is what happens. As we grow in Christ, our discernment, our ability to distinguish between good and evil should 
increase in our life. And we should be able to, to see it quickly. Oh, oh, no, that's not godly right there. That attitude, that approach, that show, that music, that lyric, that relationship, that person. No, no, you see it, you see it, you see it. Whereas before, when you're young in the faith or when you're not a believer, you constantly are getting trapped and hooked and, and there's trouble and there's pain around every corner. Why? Because the enemy is constantly keeping you hooked by lies. And so we need discernment. We, and, and, and this is, happens when we stay alert. We stay dependent on God in prayer. We must be alert. This is a picture of being alert, being ready, living a spiritually sensitive life. I want to encourage you. I want to implore you as brothers and sisters in Christ, live a spiritually sensitive life. The enemy wants to dull our senses. He wants to dull our discernment so he can take advantage of us. The enemy wants to take advantage of you, of your weaknesses, and he wants to render you ineffective. We must remain alert if we're going to persevere in prayer. So that's the two little motions here in this second part of verse 18. He says, you need to pray at all times. You need to pray all kinds of prayers in all circumstances. And if you're going to do it, you have to stay alert. And then also you must persevere. You must not lose heart. You must not give up. We must persevere. Prayer must be continual and we must not lose heart. And I want to read a parable. Jesus tells a parable about perseverance and prayer in Luke 18. And this is what it says In Luke 18, it says, Jesus said, and he told them a parable because he wanted to tell them to the effect that they ought always to pray. Same thought we see in Ephesians 6. They ought always to pray and not lose heart. He's saying, I'm telling them this story so that they will not give up in prayer. Telling them this story so they won't give up in prayer. This is the the parable. In a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this crazy widow will not leave me alone, it's my translation, because she keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. The Lord said, here, what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Persevere, persevere. Don't give up, don't lose heart, don't quit. In all circumstances, at all times, we pray, we pray, we seek, we knock, we pray. We don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give them justice. He'll give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus demonstrated this for his disciples very clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane. He tells them this parable. And then later on in his life, in his ministry with them, he goes to the garden. And what does Jesus tell the disciples? He says, I've got to pray. And I want you to pray with me. Tarry with me and pray. I'm going over here, but I want you to wait and pray. And what did the disciples do? Fell asleep, because that's what we do. And we're not any better than them, right? I would have fallen asleep as well. It was in the middle of the night. They were under high stress. Their master was stressed out. They could see it. So they were overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed, and he persevered in prayer. But what did they do? They slept. 
And what did Jesus tell the disciples when he came back to him? He said, pray, pray, pray that you would not enter into temptation. Why did he pray that? Because he knew the temptation was coming. He knew that after the victory of the cross, that after the resurrection, that the enemy was going to try to unleash the hordes of hell on God's people, on those disciples. And he was going to try to to, to snuff out their faith. And he's telling them, there is a temptation that is coming. And that if you don't pray, you will not stand in the battle. And the same is true for us as believers today. Is that the the temptation is here. It is coming. You You may not see the challenge ahead of you, but it's coming. Rest assured, it's coming. There is challenge coming in your life. I have good news for you this morning. It's coming. It's coming. So what are we gonna do when the temptation comes? We must knock and we must pray and we must seek and we must not give up. We must remain continually dependent on the Lord in prayer or, 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 or we will be tempted to give up, to lose heart. We must be willing to persevere in prayer and not lose heart. It's easy at times to feel like giving up. We're praying and seeking and seeking and praying and it doesn't seem like anything is happening. Have you been there? It doesn't seem like anything is happening. It's kind of like the story of two frogs. Yeah, two frogs. They accidentally jumped into a big container of cream. And you had a pessimistic frog and an optimistic frog. The pessimistic frog looked at the optimistic frog and said, we're going to die. And he kicked it, the, the, the pessimistic frog kicked his legs up in the cream and looked back at his friend and said, oh, dear friend, old friend, it's been nice knowing you. I love you. I'll see you on the other side. The optimistic frog looked at him and said, I'll never give up. I'll never stop. I'm going to keep work. I'm going to keep swimming. I'm going to keep swimming until my last breath. I'm just going to keep swimming. You do what you want to do. You kick your legs up, you die. I'm going to keep swimming until I, get, until I take my last breath. So here's what happened. Bravely, the optimistic frog swam and he swam and he swam and he swam. And slowly and slowly, without even noticing the change, his swimming began to churn the cream. And all of a sudden, because he persevered, he's standing on the top of butter. And he hops out and leaves his dead, pessimistic friend <laughs> in the butter. Did you get the point? You keep going. It may look like you're, 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 you're overwhelmed and there's no way out of where I am at. You just keep swimming. You keep persevering. You keep knocking. You keep beating down the doors of heaven because one day, in a moment, in a moment of time, in the moment of your perseverance, the door can open. The situation can change. What you don't see can change. What you don't see God is doing, he can change in an instant. Why should we not lose heart? Why should we keep swimming as the optimistic frog did? Because Hebrews 10 is true. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, as we read in Hebrews 4, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. That's why we don't quit. Amen? We don't quit because he 
who promised is faithful. We pray at all times, in all circumstances, no matter what it looks like. It is our declaration of dependence on the Lord. In this next section, our last point here this morning, we see from Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, it takes a shift. The Apostle Paul takes a shift here. He shifts the focus. He tells, he tells the believers, he tells the believers at Ephesus who are under intense persecution, and he knows that, 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 that he, Paul, is in prison right now writing this letter. Paul is in prison right now, and he knows that the believers he's writing to in Ephesus, they can be under the same threat of imprisonment. And so he's telling them to pray that they would not lose heart, to pray at all times, in all circumstances, to persevere and to stand in faith. And then, and then he shifts and he says this in verse 19, he says, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So here's our third point. I am not the only one in the battle. I am not the only one in the battle. Prayer is our continual declaration of dependence on the Lord. And we must stay alert and persevere in prayer. And and Paul takes a shift here. And he reminds us that I am not, that you are not the only one in the battle. We are all in the battle. We are all all in the spiritual battle. Some of us don't realize it. Some of us realize it more than others. Some of us are struggling right now more than others. But we must be reminded that, that prayer is not just about us. And if we're not careful... That's all we pray about is me and myself and my needs and my provision and my wife and my husband and my situation and what I'm going through. And I'm not telling you that any of that is wrong. We should pray about, as I said earlier, pray about all things in all circumstances. But if we're not careful, we can become so narrow-minded in our prayer focus that we don't pray for each other. We must realize that we are all in the same spiritual battle of the enemy trying to render us ineffective and, and trying to steal our faith. If we're not careful, we can become, we, we can get in the pattern of what I call room service prayer. Have you, ever, have you ever rented a hotel room and felt like you had enough money to use room service? Anytime I go to a hotel, we very rarely use room service because it's like I'm not paying $10 for a grilled cheese sandwich, you know, right, or whatever else it is. I'm not paying $5 for a bottle of water. But you ever use, going to a hotel, use room service? You can get whatever you want. Pick up the phone, and dial the number. Say, hey, I, I would like my eggs over easy, over easy, crispy bacon, crispy bacon, extra crispy bacon. Like some hash browns. And you fill your belly with the hash browns. It's so good. And you realize, wait a minute, I can pick up the phone again. I can get lunch. I would like a hamburger cooked all the way. You ever go in a burger place and they tell you how you want your burger cooked? I'm like, I'm not comfortable with you cooking ground meat undercooked. I don't know. If you're a chef here, maybe you can tell me why it's okay to have a pink burger, but I like mine (laughs) cooked all the way through. Right? So you pick up the phone. You say, I want my burger cooked all the way through with cheddar cheese on top, mayonnaise and mustard, lettuce and tomatoes and pickles. Right? And then you realize after that, that was so good, I'm going to pick up the phone again and I can get dinner. And I can get me a New York strip cooked medium rare with, 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 with herb crusts on the top. And then after all of that, you realize I've eaten an amazing breakfast and an, an amazing lunch and an amazing supper. I want a milkshake. 
Man, chocolate milkshake. And I can pick up the phone and I can call room service. And not only that, as my waist has been expanding from all of the food that I've been eating and, and my clothes no, is all wrinkled, right? I can take that and I can call room service and say, hey, can you wash my clothes? I've spilt all kind of steak sauce on my clothes. I can have them wash it now. It's that room service, whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want to meet my needs. And if we're not careful, we can create God into a divine bellhop that only exists for me and my needs and my wants. And I want you to know, just as the Apostle Paul challenged the church at Ephesus, I want to challenge all of us today that we're not the only ones in the battle. And that we need to come before the Lord in prayer for each other. I need to pray for my brothers in Christ. I need to lift them up in prayer continually. I need to bring you before the throne of grace, not just because I'm your pastor, but because I'm your brother and you're my brother and you're my sisters. We need to pray for one another. Prayer is not just about us because we are all in the same battle. Have you ever had someone say, I'll pray for you? Or have you ever said, I'll pray for you? And, and you don't pray. I've done it. We've all done it. Do you remember the Stephen Curtis Chapman song? Pray uh, every moment of the day. Every time is the right time. And those of you who are 25 and under, you don't know what I'm talking about. Let us pray, let us pray. Every, come on, Matt, I know you know. Anybody else know? Every, every moment of the day, it is the right time. Right? It's the right time. Whenever you text or you call and you say this is what I'm going through let's stop and pray for one another you know Paul practiced what he preached I want to just read quickly this is what the apostle Paul said Romans 1 he said first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you he practiced what he preached he called us to pray for one another and he prayed for us as well and for his brothers and sisters first Corinthians 1 I thank I give thanks to my God always for you Because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Philippians 1, 3-4, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. It wasn't a burden for the Apostle Paul to pray for his brothers in Christ, it was his joy. Colossians 1, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 1 Thessalonians, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly. Don't you love that language there? Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 2 Thessalonians 1, we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Brothers, this is right. 2 Timothy 1.3, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly. In my prayers, night and day. We're not the only ones in the battle. We must pray for one another. I want to let you know this. As a side note, many of you know what I'm about to tell you, but I want to help others who don't know, and I want to encourage you as well. We have a prayer wall. It's around the corner here. You leave these foyer doors. You go to the right, right before you get to Hebrews, on the right side of the hallway, there's a little picture frame. It says, prayer. And you, there's paper, there's pens, you write down your prayer requests. And I want you to know that every Tuesday, we as pastors gather around the table, we open up every one of them, we read those prayer requests, we read the names, if you leave your name, and we pray for you by name. We call you out by your situation. We call you out. 
Go write them down. Let us pray for you. It is our joy to pray for you. And you know what's amazing here? I just want to, as we transition here, I just want to say this. Paul then asks for prayer for himself. He says that we should pray for all the saints because we're all in the same spiritual battle and that we need us to pray for one another. Then he says also pray for me. Pray for me. But you know what's interesting is that Paul doesn't ask to be released from prison. You know, if I was in prison because of my faith, which is what Paul was in prison for because of his faith, I would hope that you would pray that I'd get out of jail. And that's what you would do, right? You'd come and you'd gather and and hopefully if that ever happens, you guys call an intercession night and and this place is packed out and people from all over the, the state come and pray for Pastor Ben to get released from jail. And that would be awesome and powerful. And God would hear your prayers. Apostle Paul says, pray for me. But he doesn't say, pray that I would be released from my chains. He says, pray for me. But he doesn't say, pray that the sores that are on my wrist and on my ankles from the chains would be healed. He doesn't pray for any of that. What does he pray? He says, pray that I may be bold to stand on the truth of God's word. As I ought to speak. Pray that I would not compromise the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this is what I would want to tell you. I will pray for you and I do pray for you. And you put those prayer requests on there so I can continue to pray for you. So I can know it by name. Write it down. Let us pray for you. But I would ask you to pray for me. To pray for our pastors. That we would remain bold as we ought to be. That we would never compromise the truth of God's word. That we would stand on the truth of scripture. And no matter which direction the culture goes. Believing things they should not believe. And no matter how the culture tries to influence us as Christians. That we will stand for what is true and what is right. Pray for me. Pray that I would live a life of integrity and character. Pray that I would love my wife well. Love my kids well. Because all of this matters eternally. Pray for your leadership. And here's what I would tell you also. Pray for our church. Prayer is the part that we get to play in God's supernatural work in the earth. Did you hear that? Prayer is the part that we get to play in God's supernatural work in the earth. So this is what I would ask you. What might God do in our lives individually? And what might God do in our church corporately if we would commit to prayer? What might he do if we would pray as the Apostle Paul tells us to pray in all times and all circumstances? What might God do in your life and through your life and through our church? What might God do in our lives individually and corporately as a church when we prioritize seeking the Lord in prayer? My prayer is that we would live with a sense of faith and expectancy over what we are believing for at the church. You know, I'm believing for great things for this church. We're about to celebrate 40 years on June 16th. We're going to have an amazing service to celebrate God's faithfulness for, for 40 years. And I'm thankful for the foundation. I prayed that this morning with the pastors this morning. We, we gathered together and we prayed for the service. And I prayed. I said, Lord, I thank you for the shoulders that we are standing on. The men and women that came before us that paved the way for us to do what we do. I thank you for it. And I am thankful. But God is, God is moving. He's continuing to move. He never stops moving. And God has great things ahead. There are many, many more people in your life that you know and in this community that don't know Jesus as Lord. The work is great. The work is great. 
And I'm believing for a great work in the lives of this community. I want this church to continue to be a beacon of light to those that are lost. So here's what I would tell you. Have faith in expectancy instead of doubt and pessimism. Have faith and expectancy in every area of your life and in this church. Have faith and expectancy instead of doubt and pessimism. Doubt and pessimism is easy. That's easy. It's easy for us to get to, to be filled with doubt and to be pessimistic. We all, we all like to be attracted to what is negative. But I would challenge you, have faith and expectancy. Because why? I like what John Piper said. God can do more in five seconds than we can do in five hours or months or years. Five seconds. God can do more in five seconds. Stand your feet with me. No matter the the situation, no matter the wall that you're facing, the circumstance that you face, some of you are facing a circumstance and you feel like maybe you're in this dungeon in your life. You feel like the walls that are hindering you will never go down. And it's like, it's like, a, it's like a, someone that's in prison. And it, it, they've learned that they're trying to escape. And, and, they know that they, and that they've been told that on the other side of the wall, there's an escape route. And so they've been, they, they have no tools. They have no, they have no hammer, no, no, no chisel. And they've just been using rocks to try to chisel away at that wall. And that's kind of like what prayer is. You just chisel and you work and you push and you knock and you seek and you feel like you're not making any progress and so it can be easy to doubt and to be pessimistic but you know what's amazing let's just say all of a sudden that person has been chipping away they they, they're weary and they're overwhelmed and they go to slip and they fall on the wall and their elbow hits a little notch in the wall and all of a sudden a door opens out of nowhere and they see that there's a, a way to get out In that moment, it could be a moment of time the change can come when you don't even realize it. And here's what I would say. If the wall is meant to give way in five years, prayer is the key. If it's meant to give way in five years, you must persevere. If the wall is meant to give way in five seconds, prayer is the key. Prayer is the key to whatever God's going to do in your life and whatever God's going to do in the life of this church. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to pray. I want us to pray for one another. I want us to pray for our church. I know that many of you are in spiritual battles here this morning, and I want to pray for you. And I want us together to pray for our church. So why don't you bow your heads with me, and we're going to pray. We're going to seek the Lord in prayer this morning. So let's go, let's go before the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we humble ourselves before you this morning. And God, I know that there are men and women here this morning that are in a spiritual battle. And they're overwhelmed. They came in overwhelmed today. And Lord, I just pray, God, that they would not lose heart and give up. I pray, Lord, that they would persevere in prayer, that we would continue to seek you as we read in Hebrews 10, because he who promised is faithful, because you are a faithful God. And so, Lord, I pray that they would leave today strengthened and encouraged to continue to believe you, continue to trust you, no matter what the circumstance looks like. And God, I pray that you'd help all of us, Lord, to persevere in prayer, to not lose heart. God, I pray for our church. I thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church. I thank you, Lord, for each, and each individual, each person as a part of Living Word Church. God, I pray that we would be filled with faith and expectancy, not doubt and pessimism. That we would be filled with a sense of expectancy. God, what might you do in our lives and through our lives? How how are the, what, what, what are the ways that you're going to move? 
God, we, we don't know it yet. We don't see it yet. But I know that you will because he who promised is faithful. And that what you've called us to do, we are equipped to do because he who promised is faithful. There's nothing impossible for you. And I pray that you would encourage us all, challenge us all to continue to seek you. God, we, we repent. We repent. Lord, forgive us for our complacency. Forgive me, God, for being distracted. And help me, help us all, Lord, to seek you with all of our hearts. God, because this is not about us. It's not about us and our plans. It's about you and your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.